Good morning, Pulpit Rock Church family. I'm Susie Bates. I'm the Generations Pastor here at our church. And I can't wait for things to get back to normal so that all of you can be sitting in all of these empty chairs in this room and I can hear you say good morning back to me. When things get back to normal, how many times have we said those words during all of this? I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I am turning 40 this weekend, and for like this whole year, all I have wanted to do was plan the biggest party my house has ever seen and invite all our friends over to celebrate. Our oldest daughter is turning 16 in a few weeks. I hate it that these milestones can't look like I pictured they would. I'm selfish. I know there are people grieving much greater losses than birthday parties. But I know we can all relate to the weariness of just wanting things to get back to normal. My, how we took for granted how satisfying it was to run out the door in the morning with a cup of coffee and drop the kids off at school and drive to work. When was the last time you watched a live sporting event with a huge crowd or saw live music at a packed venue? I want things to get back to normal because I'm here every Sunday experiencing this incredible worship that our worship leaders bring us each week and I'm realizing how much power there is in worshiping together in a crowd. I miss that. I want things to get back to normal so I can go eat at my favorite Mexican food restaurant. I want to go snowboarding. I want to not lie in bed awake in the middle of the night and worry about my friends who have lost their jobs or lost a loved one because those thoughts inevitably move to worrying about losing my job or losing my loved ones. Those are dark nights. We are longing for things to get back to normal, are we not? Someday, we'll get those things back. But I think we can all admit, it's going to be a new normal. Things won't ever be exactly the same as they were before all of this. And I imagine if we each dug deep, we would also admit we don't want things to go back to being exactly the same as they were before all of this. Because this great pause has revealed some things, some hard truths, some beautiful truths. Maybe a new normal won't be so bad. We're continuing our series where we're looking at a few final moments that Jesus shared with some people on earth after he was crucified and risen and before he ascended into heaven. It's in these moments that Jesus has just one more thing to share with somebody. And in every one of these instances, it's a revolutionary moment for the person or the people he's speaking to. Jesus could have just dropped the mic after his resurrection but he has a few more things to say. They seem really important. So we want to take a look at each one of these moments and see what God may have to say to us through them. Today we will see Jesus appear one more time to some of the disciples, disciples who want nothing more than for things to get back to normal. 
Their lives have been an upheaval of emotions and a roller coaster of events since Jesus showed up. From blind faith that led them to follow him, to seeing his miracles and believing he is the Messiah they've been waiting for. But then he gave himself up and he was crucified and hopelessness takes over. But wait, renewed hope with a dash of doubt when Mary Magdalene says that he was not in the tomb. To a surprise visit from the risen Jesus where he showed them his wounds and quieted all doubt and fear. And he gave them his spirit and then he left them again. What a wild ride. I'm sure some normalcy sounded really good to them at this point. But like us, there had to be this twinge of a gut feeling that said, I don't really want things to go back to normal, not completely anyway, because while all of this has been really hard, it's changed me a little. I have a different perspective. There are things I can't unsee. Well, Jesus knows about all these things we feel, and he knew about all the things the disciples were feeling, so we're going to see him do the beautiful, awesome things that he does with his precious people that he loves. Jesus will call out to them in the darkness. He'll cook them some breakfast, and he'll share a few moments alone with Peter. Really beautiful, personal, and life-changing things are said in this conversation and I believe really personal and life-changing things will be said to each of us as we take a look at this this morning. We'll start in John chapter 21, verse 1, if you want to go ahead and find that. The disciples have left Jerusalem, where they have just had quite the week. Jesus was crucified, and he rose again. He showed himself to the disciples, gifted them with his spirit, and commissioned them. Things will never be the same. But I imagine the disciples are longing to get back to some form of normalcy. They return home to Galilee. And one evening, Peter tells a few of them, I'm going out to fish. This is their normal. This would be like the equivalent of me telling my friends, I'm going out for Mexican food. So a group of them go out to fish, weary of the roller coaster, ready for something familiar without any surprises. But they caught nothing all night long. Insult to injury. Suddenly a voice calls out to them from the darkness on the shoreline. Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. There's a lot to notice and unpack here. First, for some reason, the disciples just obey the mysterious voice from the dark shoreline before they even recognize it as Jesus. Maybe they were desperate. Maybe they were just really hungry. Maybe they were inspired. 
whatever their motivation, they just obey. It seems like this is how people often do come to Jesus in one way or another. Some of us maybe acknowledge this mysterious voice we've heard guiding us through seasons of our life and then suddenly recognize it as God's, so we respond. Some of us maybe are just lonely, tired, or hungry, and we find ourselves somehow led to some small blessing. So we want to get closer to the, store, to the source and see what it is we'll find around this little fire on the beach. Something sure smells good there. I imagine there were a few disciples on this boat who rolled their eyes at the sound of someone from shore shouting at them, telling them what to do. I would be like, mind your own business. I just love the way there is room left in the details of this story for us to see ourselves in it. Also, isn't it funny how Peter responds to the realization it's Jesus on the shore? He wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the water. Okay, one, isn't that the exact opposite of every movie scene we've ever watched where someone, like, has to jump in the water? Don't you shed the extra layer of clothes and, like, take off your shoes so you can swim better? That seems counterintuitive. But maybe he was naked, and he had taken his outer garment off, and so he didn't want to show up naked in front of Jesus, so he's like, I better put this on. I'm confused. I do feel like I should ask Kyle and Roland, what exactly goes on when a bunch of dudes go fishing together? But now I am not sure I actually want to know, so I digress. But it's quite possible the roller coaster events in recent weeks have kind of taken their toll on Peter, and he's a little on edge, and he's doing weird stuff. I have been going outside with my family at 8 p.m. every evening and howling. I've been doing that fully clothed, by the way. But this fishing scene, doesn't it sound awfully familiar? This scene is set up a lot, like the first time Jesus ever called these men to follow him. Simon and Peter and his brother Andrew were in their boat fishing when Jesus called them to follow him. James and his brother John were preparing their nets and boat for fishing when Jesus called them. Fishing was their thing. Fishing was their normal. It was personal and familiar. No surprise, this is when Jesus decides to show up to them again. Last week we talked about how Jesus responded to Thomas's doubts in a very personal way encouraging Thomas to see his wounds, to touch them, because those had been Thomas's exact words when he said he didn't believe Jesus was alive. Jesus pursues us in personal, recognizable ways. He knows us intimately. We should not be surprised when we recognize him in the circumstances of our lives in very intimate ways. Don't explain that away. That's him. I think Jesus was also leveraging this normal scene and experience in the disciples' lives. I think we'll see Jesus challenge them with what should now be a new normal. The disciples bring the boat of fish to shore and find our sweet Jesus has a charcoal fire going. And he's made them breakfast. And he tells them to come and eat. 
Jesus was all about meals like this. Before his death and resurrection, Jesus would often explain the kingdom of God as a banquet table. It's such meaningful language to us. We use that table language all the time here. Jesus fed thousands of people on the hillside with the fish and the bread miracle. He was always sharing tables with questionable people. And on the night before his own death, Jesus threw one final feast with his disciples. And he told them to keep getting together to eat and drink and share and to remember him when they did so. Jesus and meals was a really normal thing. The disciples fishing was a really normal thing. Jesus is leveraging this longing for normalcy to draw them in one last time before he goes. But Jesus also knows that things can never really go back to the way they were before all of this, nor should they, because he has just changed everything for us. And the world as we know it can never be the same. And Jesus knows that deep down in our souls, we don't really want things to go back to normal. Not after something like this. We are changed forever. We can never go back to the way things were. But we are weary of the roller coaster ride. We are weary of the fear or the doubt. We long for security or even just a clear path laid before us. I am learning this about myself during this time, that if Jesus just always laid a clear path before me, I'd likely just run right past some really important things. Some parts of the journey I need to slow down for. And I don't really want to slow down for them because they're painful to see. I don't want to linger there. So if there was a clear path ahead, I'd miss a lot of things. So it seems that more often than not, instead of a clear path laid before me, Jesus showing up in my life looks more like me hearing his voice call out from the darkness in the middle of a long, hard, dark night. And if I trust his voice and I go to him, he has laid out familiar provisions for me so that we can talk about the hard things I'd rather run right by. Jesus does this with Peter. The charcoal fire burning on the beach is a familiar sight to Peter. In the few passages that lead us to this point, we see Peter declare for all to hear that he will remain loyal to Jesus. He'll follow him wherever he goes, to prison, to death. Peter even insists he would lay his own life down on Jesus' behalf. And then in the following chapters, we watch helplessly as Peter tries and fails. Peter follows Jesus until things start to get a little hairy, and then they go horribly wrong. Jesus had just been arrested in the garden and taken into the high priest's courtyard. Peter had followed the party as far as he could, and he stopped around a charcoal fire that burned there, where servants and officials gathered around to keep warm. And first, Peter denies Jesus to a little servant girl who asks him if he's one of Jesus' disciples. Peter also denies he knows Jesus to another servant and then to the entire group. Three denials, all while standing by a charcoal fire. If you've ever been around campfire in your life, you know how strong the smell is. 
It gets in your clothes, it gets in your hair, and it stays there until you wash it out. You can smell a campfire from miles away. We can smell wildfires burning from states away. Don't you know all oh, the blood and Peter's face just rushed away the moment he gets out of the water, sees Jesus, and then smells that fire. The memories had to come flooding back to him the way our memories are so often tied to smell, even memories we'd rather forget. Jesus wants to take Peter back to that, though. Jesus isn't afraid of all the things we've done wrong in our past. We don't need to be either. Jesus has a plan for Peter, purpose for his life. But Jesus can't plant that purpose in a heart that is hardened by failure or bitterness or pain. That stuff needs to be healed first. Peter, very much like us during this pandemic, is ready for things to get back to normal. So much so that he jumps off the side of the boat and he swims to shore. But Jesus is saying, wait, hold on a minute. I've got a new normal for you. It's even better than the old normal. But to experience it, we've got to sit here together and look at what all of this has revealed about your heart. Our Jesus is so good to us. He never shames or belittles us for the things that we do or the way that we feel. He's tender and he's gentle, but he wants to talk to us about it. And he wants to talk about it with Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter, by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. The charcoal fire smell is lingering. Jesus and Peter are likely walking slowly down the beach, having this moment separate from the rest of the group. And Jesus goes right to where the pain is. Jesus asks the question that gets right to the heart of it. Do you love me? And that same question is asked and answered three times exactly like Peter's denial. And it hurts Peter's heart. I can't imagine what I would be feeling in that moment if I was Peter. We feel pain when we revisit our failures or when we take a good hard look at our wounds. Our wounds matter. Consider them. Watch how they can suddenly drive everything that you do. Tell yourself the truth about them. Don't be ashamed if you can't see God fully until those, until those wounds are healed. That's why Jesus said he comes for the sick, not the well. That's why Jesus is coming to Peter here on the beach with the charcoal fire burning. This isn't judgment day. This is grace, start to finish. 
Jesus does this amazing thing by not just accepting Peter's response, yes, I love you, and saying, okay, good, that's all I needed to hear. No, Jesus, by way of forgiveness, gives Peter a job to do, one that will bring great purpose to Peter's life, purpose that will make all of Peter's mistakes, all of Peter's wounds, mean something. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. Jesus offers forgiveness and he offers purpose. Jesus is inviting Peter's shaky faith, his impulsive actions, his imperfect love, his skinny dipping self to be a part of the life-changing work that God is doing in our world. He says, things are going back to normal, Peter. There's a new normal now. I'm going to lead you through this. I've been with you all along. It's time to trade your, your fishing for shepherding the flock. Feed them. Take care of them. Lead them. Lead yourself. And herein lies the heart of our purpose. Whether you're a back row Baptist or spirit-led charismatic, whether you read Bible stories to children or you preach to thousands, whether you sit, up, sit behind a desk or you work at a grocery store, whether you deliver babies or you sit with the dying, if you are going to do anything in the name of Jesus, it's built on this. Somewhere, deep down in your heart and soul, there is love for Jesus. And Lord knows we lose sight of it, or we squander it away on love for literally anything else sometimes. But Jesus knows that love is there. And like you stoke a fire to get it going, Jesus wants to get in there and fan that flame to remind you of the great purpose that you have in this life because of him. He wants to help you rekindle that love or spark it up for the very first time. He wants to give you a chance to express it. He wants to give you a chance to talk about the hurt that you carry in your heart because of what you've done or because of what someone has done to you. He wants to heal that so that we can get on with the great work we have to do while we're here on earth. This is our purpose. Jesus knows our hearts long to get back to normal. But he has a new normal for us. One that doesn't leave the past behind entirely. I don't think he wants us to forget the new perspectives that our experiences bring us. That would be dishonoring to our stories. Jesus has started a movement, and he's inviting Peter to be a part of it. This movement isn't going to leave behind the world God made in the first place. Jesus isn't ejecting Peter out of the world he lives in, and Jesus isn't ejecting Peter's experiences out of his life. Peter needs to carry these things with him, but they need to be healed so that he can come full circle, so that he can arrive at the place he started but realize only now he actually knows it fully for the first time. Maybe that's what that charcoal fire was about all along. There's so much parallel in these moments that Jesus shares with the disciples and the moments that he's sharing with us right now. He's with us in all of this. He sees the unemployment, the small business owners, the sick, and the dying. He sees the people grieving over them. 
He sees the high school students who are missing out on their senior year. He sees the overwhelmed parents at home. He sees the pressures on our marriages and our relationships. He sees the loneliness. He sees it all. And while I just wish things could get back to normal, I'm also learning something from this time in the dark. If there were a clear path laid before me, I know I would run right by it all. But in the darkness, I can hear Jesus' voice calling out, just like the disciples did. They were surprised by Jesus' appearance that night. But maybe they were also a little surprised at themselves, at who they were now. They knew everything was different and they would never be the same. Maybe that's what gave them the boldness to just respond to Jesus right away. Give Jesus some room to surprise you. Maybe when we are no longer surprised by Jesus, we've stopped doing business with him because he sure did surprise people a lot. It seems to be his thing. I've been surprised at the rest my kids and I have found in not getting up early and ready to leave for school each morning. I was surprised at the sweet, intimate Easter my husband and kids and I shared together. An Easter I don't think we could ever repeat even if we tried. I cherish it. I've been surprised at Jesus' voice calling the church, the body of Christ, to the cracks and crevices of our neighborhoods and our lives where we can be his hands and feet during this time. Places we would never have had the influence or the access to because of this pandemic. Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. Families are sitting together for church in their living rooms. Church leaders are forced to reconcile with the fact they aren't the answer. God moves whether the church building is open or not. People are scrawling messages of hope and chalk on the sidewalks. We're checking in on each other. We're sharing what we have. Feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. We're starting to see there were a lot of things in our lives that didn't really matter. We're starting to recognize the things we always overlooked that actually do. This pandemic is an incredible opportunity for us. A crisis reveals what is broken. We have this opportunity to accept the forced pause it's placed on our lives to sit with Jesus at that charcoal fire and talk about the things that have risen to the surface. To seriously consider how much of that normal we really want to get back to. The truth is, things will never be the same. What we have waiting for us is a new normal. This is how it is with Jesus too. Things will never be the same for these disciples. Jesus has come and he's changed everything as much as their hearts long to just get things back to normal after Jesus died. He shows up, he's conquered death, the world will never be the same for them and it will never be the same for us. Jesus calling out to us from the darkness is an incredible opportunity for us. A chance to let him in and to win us over with his love and his everlasting grace for us. 
so that we can choose now what really matters to us. And we can hang on to those things that we want to carry with us into the new normal. And we can let go of those things that we've been carrying for too long. We don't have to put them back into our lives. Jesus offers us a new normal. I invite you to have a conversation with him in your heart. Or have a conversation with your family if they're there with you now. Here's some questions to think about. What things do you think Jesus would like to restore in you like he restored in Peter on the beach? What things would you like to carry with you into a new normal with Jesus? What things would you like to leave behind?